calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Wow, it's so cool to be here. I'm not going to start it like that. Jazz <laughs> week. It's Windjammers week. Welcome to the IGN UK podcast. Joe, mm-hmm. you're, you're very excited because it's Windjammers week. Yeah, I'm always excited about Windjammers and I'm twice as excited when it's Windjammers too. It's uh, only two years later than we expected. Windjammers 2 has arrived. The French sequel to a 90s Japanese arcade game that has no right (laughs) to be as good as it is. Uh, We will get onto that. What, are we not starting now? No, no, no. You've got me revved up for Windjammers 2. It's like I'm under the frisbee charging and you've... We are teasing you. I want want that energy to be pent up because first... I've got to introduce Matt Perslow. How are you? Hello. I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Do you, do you have the Windjammers excitement, Matt? Have you ever played Windjammers? I, I'm not going to... I not. don't want to bring down the vibe, but just Windjammers ain't my jam. Unbelievable. Oh. oh okay. Um, well, that has brought down the mood considerably, hasn't it? Why don't we... I don't know. Why don't we talk about something else for a bit then first before Windjammers? Let's talk about Rainbow Six Extraction, which... It's a game I think has gone up and down. Like when it was first announced, I think we were we were still kind of in the height of our siege fandom as such. We were playing a lot of siege. Well, me and Matt were. Joe had fallen off. No, I just he's shaking his I, head. I just want to make it clear that I've always thought this game looked boring as fuck, and that's basically okay. my input. Well, why don't we try and change your mind? Um, so yeah, and then we kind of I think because we fell out with siege a bit, we thought we we kind of got less and less excited about this. And now we've been playing it for a week or so, Matt. And I think we've been somewhat pleasantly surprised. I think so. Yeah. I I will put it out there at this point that I I quite like Rainbow Six Extraction. Yeah, I think it is. I think IGN, we've given it a 7 out of 10. That's pretty much seems bang on to it's me. It's a very it's, good review as well for, in terms of the nuances yeah. of the ups and downs of it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's surprised me in a couple of ways. I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be surprised... Because it is a much more of a tactical shooter than I thought it would be. But I, that shouldn't be a surprise because there's obviously the Tom Clancy and Rainbow Six background where that's all those games are about. I think it's just the wrapping paper it was in 
like all the trailers, it made it look like more of a Back for Blood or a Left for Dead, but it, and it's definitely not. It comes at a point, right, where there is a resurrection of those kind of games, and so mm. the idea of a group of co-op friends go into a game about killing... I mean, they are aliens within the fiction of the game, but for all intents and purposes, they're zombies. Like They're, they're kind of mindless mm-hmm. hordes. You assume that what you're about to get into is a very kind of like heavy sort of you know intense action shooter it's not what they did which i do find a little bit bizarre but like it because of it they made a quite traditional tom clancy rainbow six terrorist hunt and they replaced all the terrorists with alien zombies which is quite an odd thing to do it's very odd when you look at the history of like it's kind of got we've kind of we've been talking about this recently like Tom Clancy games have kind of gone weirder and weird, like gone further away from that core, like tactical shooter that they started out as. And that this does definitely does have some of that DNA. But yeah, like you said, it's kind of wrapped in this almost Left 4 Dead style wrapping paper. Like I said, like it's it's an odd game in that respect because it's I don't I'm still like torn how I think about it. I think it's it's fun. We've had a lot of fun playing it so far. I've probably played like five or six hours. Yeah, I'm probably we're probably halfway well maybe not even halfway through the stuff you can do yet you, the level progression is fairly slow but i don't know there doesn't seem a ton there i feel like that's the problem it will have like we will have a lot of fun with this game for a week or two but i don't know how much of a shelf life it'll have it's the classic thing that you get with so for anybody that doesn't know how it works it is a very stealth focused tactical three-player shooter in which there are a number of locations that you go to. So the game is split into four locations, and each one of those four locations has three levels. And those Mm -hmm. levels are then split into three phases with a safe room in between them. And there's an objective in each one of those phases, but they're randomly generated objectives. There are maybe like 13 or 15, like that kind of amount of different objectives. And the game just randomly assigns one for each of those rooms. So the idea is it's not a co-op campaign in the idea of old Rainbow Six games or something like Outriders or something like that. It is designed to be a multiplayer session-based game that you can infinitely play, basically, because the objectives are randomized. But because of that, there is obviously the idea that there is a potential that it might like it can't it's not got the the play it through and done that a co-op shooter campaign does but there's also the chance that after you've played it for like 15 hours unless like you're hooked into the just the challenge of it you might start to find that there's not enough there for you which you know 15 hours out of a game this game is free on game pass Mm -hmm. at launch by the way so and i mean it is a full price game if you're playing it elsewhere but you know 15 hours out of a game isn't bad you know you're getting a a decent amount it's just i think when you and maybe it is a false comparison in some ways to compare it to siege i wouldn't say it's an unfair one just because it shares so much like half the characters with Siege. but it's not a pvp game right it's not it doesn't build itself on the tension of pvp matches Mm -hmm. it's a completely different style of thing exactly it's a game i think you're more likely to play 20 hours with than 200 Mm -hmm. hours with but yeah we're having a good time and it is it is like weird you kind of have this like melding of like we're saying super like stealthy tactical shooting but also just some really silly stuff going in like there's a lot like when for example your teammates you so if you go down once in a in a map you can get revived by your teammates if you go down again you're ko'd 
and you basically turn into a massive what's-it, <laughs> like a big yellow foamy what's-it. It's it. weird, yeah. And on your team, it has to carry you back to the extraction zone and put you in this big pod for you to be extracted. <laughs> it's, it's very the weird. The thing, though, that then goes from... So that is very weird. Like, yeah, like you go down, so instead of actually being killed, you spray yourself with this foam to turn you into a massive what's-it. But if you're... <laughs> If your friends on the map can't take you out of the map, if they can't get you to the extraction point, your character gets left in that map and is permanently yeah. unplayable until you go back into that like map. Like the Crystal Maze. Yes, exactly yeah, like the instead Crystal of being, Maze. Instead of being locked in, you're basically encased in a giant oozy tree with veins. <laughs> Do you not get... Oh, I was hoping you'd be put in like a big crisp packet that had to be blown open. <laughs> Someone has to go and stamp on it and make that big bang that Chris Packets make on roads. It's like one of those swimming pool vending machines you have to keep banging it until they fall out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's yeah, but it's got that weird stuff. Weird thing is that like but... that mechanic is like incredibly hardcore and tactical and aspires to me as all of these people that downvoted the trailer, because it's, like, it's one of the most downvoted like, video game trailers ever, right? Because it's just not bad. what what people want right from tom clancy Mm -hmm. but the mechanics in the game aspire to me to be exactly what the hardcore tom clancy franchise wants if that system was just asset flipped and it was a case of if you can't get your operator out a bunch of terrorists take them hostage Mm. and lock them in a box i think people would be much more on board with this it's just the visualization of what they're doing Mm -hmm. is not in line i'm kind of torn because like, although I do think, yeah, if, if instead of aliens it was terrorists or something of that equivalent, something more human of nature, like, it would be a lot more Tom Clancy. But I don't think I would personally be as interested because I, I kind of like the madness of it a bit. And, like, I don't know if, like, the general... I mean, they've obviously must have done a lot of research. People must prefer alien and zombie games to terrorist spaces. This, is, ex- <laughs> this not- is exactly what it strikes me as. It's like they had a bunch of... Tom Clancy, or you know, Rainbow Six ideas that they wanted mm. to use, but they focus grouped something somewhere that was just like, well, people won't go for this because it's more of the same. So if you make it like that outbreak mode we did, which was fine for a week, uh, mm. then we'll do that. Like that, and honestly, I don't. I mean, I'm not sure I'm into the general tactical shooter vibe enough yeah. to carry the way, but I d- I do have like the kind of fatigue with the alien-esqueness of it yeah. so i mean the one thing it does allow which i suppose you could give these terrorists supernatural abilities but these aliens obviously have things like they explode or they like can create like i think one's called the router it can basically make like a big trail of spikes towards you in the ground like I can you can't you know human can you oh sorry yeah. i forgot about that um but yeah i kind of it is like so yeah they're tr- they're spinning off of this law they created in a like a one month long mode or something in siege that like I don't think anyone particularly cared about this like outbreak in a New Mexico town. No, I remember caring about it at the time because at that point it was very novel for siege to be doing that stuff. Whereas by this point mm-hmm. it's not super novel for siege to be doing things like that. So it's kind of it feels like it aged out in the time yeah. it took to make this game well, and they haven't gone full silly either like when like warzone do like a silly event they kind of go full on with the silliness of it all like very self-knowing whereas like 
this game is like it's got very silly aliens and like big what's it men but it's also got very it's got like military the, people being the like, thing is though, like take their the characters are taking it very seriously the, we find the what's it thing funny because to someone who understands <laughs> british crisps they look like giant what's it's there's not but someone they look more like cheetos to be well fair. that is true so. but <laughs> nobody that was writing that fiction was like leaning into it being silly like mm, it's yeah. so po-faced whereas if you look at something like I guess a roughly similar-ish sort of thing is like when Red Dead made the Undead Nightmare stuff. That was mm. specifically yeah. supposed to be dumb. Like, mm. it lent into mm-hmm. that. Or when the Sniper Elite team make the Nazi zombie army kind of games. They are deliberately supposed to be B-movies. And that's not what this is. Mm. And I wonder if kind of okay. like... like as much. I really like that it has that kind of hardcore stuff to it because i Mm -hmm. do miss classic tom clancy games you know i used to really like the classic rainbow six shooters but also it's like would this be more fun if there were kind of more weirdness to it and more kind of b-movie kind of touches i think they're yeah they are kind of caught in between uh in between the terrorists and the aliens uh in a weird spot it's not a spot you want to be caught between really but um yeah, I'm enjoying it, though. I don't want to sound too down there, because I'm enjoying it. We played another hour at lunch mm-hmm. today. Like, it is perfect for that hour. Like, Maps only last probably, like, ten minutes total. You can get through, like, six in an hour or so. Like, it is a good, like, little game to, to snack on, really. And the shooting's still great. Like, the the seed shooting, it's, it's just translated over to this. And, like, 80% of the abilities, like, are pretty much the same. Yeah. Some of them are tweaked a little from the siege operators. They're arguably uh, a little bit too beholden to siege. Like, some, like yeah. this is... Despite the fact there's destructible environments in it, this is less a game about destruction because it's not so much a game about breach and clear in the way that a siege is. So mm-hmm. Habana kind of feels a bit redundant. And like Sledge, you do wish that there was, he got something else that he could do. But some of them have like, like Jaeger's kind of grenades popping out the sky ability just does not work mm. when your enemies fundamentally probably don't even understand what a grenade is so that <laughs> yeah, it doesn't that's that more doesn't of just a turret well. now but um but yeah we're having a good time yeah. like me you and dale have been playing a lot me and you have played as a two i feel like two's the sweet mm-hmm. spot because it chucks enemies at you but not too many for you to get like overwhelmed three it chucks a lot more like so it uh what scales yeah. like depending on how many people you have like we haven't really gone off of the first level of difficulty i think we tried the second one once like it does get quite hard quite quickly and especially if you play it by yourself i only played it once by myself didn't really enjoy it don't really want to play it by myself again i know you did it for quite a bit man and, and lost had a six horrible operators time. and basically <laughs> just had to wait until other people wanted to play it's it's definitely not yeah tactical shooters aren't best played by yourself i don't think anyway especially if you have like it doesn't even give you ai teammates no. so you're just going in by yourself just trying to do it always it's not particularly fun i'd say by yourself but yeah if you have friends i'd definitely check it out especially if you have game pass because it's a perfect it's game still a good shooter game. absolutely yeah. ideal for that service i've seen lots of people exactly. complaining that it's not dlc or an expansion of some kind for siege and like Hmm. where do you two fall on that like do you think it to me it's, it's almost like it's caught it's between two different... stools it's like it kind of is like if it if it, I think it, would if be it weird. moved away from siege enough that it felt like it stood by itself i feel like it would feel like more of a viable I think, product i think its problem is is i actually think the game itself is its own game like i mm. don't think it is but the problem is is by having it's not just that you've got the siege characters in it to 
to have like they obviously want to build rainbow six as this universe that has characters right in the way that kind of like the original games had characters like ding and stuff like that that were kind of from the books mm-hmm. and they want the siege roster to be the characters that run through this series but it's not just about having the characters there to play it's about bringing all of the mechanical side of siege across and that's what makes it feel like it's a bit stuck in between two worlds because the actual game that they've built this co-op shooter that does feel very bespoke has then got all of these bits of siege that are levered in like i don't really know why Mm. i'm reinforcing walls and putting up batten hatches Mm. and doing all that because they just feel like they're there because siege had it and that's what rainbow is now where it's that shouldn't have been the thinking it should have been the characters are what rainbow is now and we put them into the game that we built Mm. yeah and I think it is fundamentally a different game going for a different audience. Like, if it's an expansion, you're forcing people to buy Siege to then play... If they only want to play this, I mean, like, I think this is for a different audience. Like, it's not as hardcore as Siege. It's obviously, it's not PvP, so it's not as tense. It's a different sort of thing. Like, I will say, warn people going in, don't go into it playing it. Like, the first couple of rounds I played it, I did play it. Like, it was Bat for Blood or Left for Dead running around, shooting everything. It will not go well for you. You could probably do fine, but it's not it's not the best way to play it. You wanna go tactically room v room and like shoot these nests that the aliens spawn from. Like this is like and you've got this cool laser on your gun as well that can see through walls as well sometimes. Like there's lots of cool little touches. Like it's I, I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm surprised I thought I'd play it for a couple hours and be like it's just it's not for me. But you know, I'm I'm into it, especially when I'm playing with friends. So yeah. I I check it out. But Joe, we are finally we're going to move on now. So I know it's very close to your heart. That's also out t- out now it's on out Game now. Pass the same day. Windjammers two. Mm-hmm. What, what do you have to say about it? Uh, it's a masterpiece. They've smashed it. I don't know how they've made Windjammers better. Uh, it's just the best thing ever. I have a very little actual. If you've listened to this podcast for long enough, you'll have heard us talk a lot about Windjammers intermittently across mm-hmm. the years. Um, but if if you don't know what it is, it is a flying power disc game mm-hmm. that's kind of a cross between a sports game and a fighting game. Pong cross um, Street Fighter is the classic, the classic description. Yep. Um, um, originally made in Japan, but bizarrely absolutely adored in France, mm-hmm. and that's why the remake is being made by a French company Doimi. Mm-hmm. And it's finally out after years of waiting. And yeah, we like when the original Windjammers was re-released mm. on was it PS4? What, yeah, probably about five years ago now. Um, Christ, maybe four. Yeah. yeah, four years ago. So we played a lot of it in the office. Yours. Like we we played a lot, and it is again a perfect snacking game. You can play so many games in like an hour of Windjammers, and it's just I don't know. It's just very addictive. It is. I don't, I don't know what you need to play it. It's, it's like a it's a perfect midpoint between a sports game and a, and a fighting game in as much as it has like the immediate understandability of a sports game like the rules are incredibly simple there are only two people there's one projectile and there's and the scoring always happens in one of two ways which is it either goes past you into a goal or it lands on the floor and you don't pick it up in time uh, mm-hmm. that's the only way you can score there's no variables on on how any of that stuff works uh, but the characters change the experience. So each character has different special moves and different stats, and that gives you this sort of, like, this kind of interchangeability and, like, the way that each round will play out will be different based on which characters are taking part in it. 
And then there's just nuance to how everything works. There are different types of throws. And the thing about Windjammers 2 is it doesn't make any changes to the base thing, to the point where I believe they literally ported over the code from the yeah, original like game pixel, and used it. It's like pixel perfect to the same. Yeah, it's, the original. it uses the like the literal bones of the original game and then puts new bones on them. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> as well as being able to throw and lob, you can now, like parry and it gives you it kind of changes the rhythm because often like you get into a rally and it's just like throw 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 and now you can have throw mm-hmm. throw throw parry throw and it like completely changes how the rally's going Uh-oh. you can yeah drop shot it now so you can like kick it so that it lands just past the net which forces people who play on the baseline to come in so there's a lot of like tennis thinking that's introduced here because there's a lot more thinking about should i be on the baseline should i be moving to the net do i need to be moving from one to the other um and like just these little tiny additions oh and you can jump and like spike it like volleyball now as well i still haven't mastered that bit it's fucking horrible but like like one but that's the thing is i think everyone ends up playing in different ways and so when mm -hmm. i was playing against uh the guy who actually introduced me to windjammers who's called sean he's from the computer game show pod um he me and him were playing and he nailed that really quickly and just fucking dominated me for about six rounds before I got used to how you deal with playing against someone like that. And that to me is like, that's the booty of Windjammers is that it is there, there are different styles and there are different ways Mm -hmm. of playing and you can like really mess around with it in interesting ways. It's it's just so fun. And it's just gorgeous. We played for an hour. Yeah, exactly. And the music is unbelievable. We will definitely play Windjammers music at the end of this pod. Um, Joe will. I will give Joe free choice of whichever theme he wants from any any of the maps, um, maps, arenas. I don't know, but yeah, like we played for an hour or so last night, and it's just like it is one of those games again where it's just it's just endless fun. I said the same thing about Halo. Like even when you're losing, you're having a great time because it's one of those games where there's very little to no bullshit in it. Mm. Like if you lose, it's it's because you've made a mistake, really. Like or you're just being beaten. Like nothing's really unfair about there's it. There's only it's one just... thing I don't understand in the new one, which we came across yesterday, which is there's now special mm. like a special meter, and you can either use your special move immediately after having it, or if someone's hit it onto your side, you can essentially have the if it's gone behind you, you can essentially knock it immediately up into the air so that you can mm-hmm. get to it quickly enough. And there were a couple of times where that felt slightly off to me, and I don't know whether that was net code or whether that was a mechanic I don't understand. Yeah, it was hard to tell if like sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's just so fun. Like and like in this one as well, Windjammers two, each character has their own little campaign you can go through. We're not gonna spoil the ending of any of those stories, but it's I think it's safe to say some of them are mad. They're, like full on bonkers. Like they're like, properly <laughs> uh they remind me of like Tekken One, like in how in how little it gives a shit about storyline or any reason for that storyline. So they've essentially just created tiny comic books at the end of each arcade uh, arcade campaign that are insane, <laughs> like really weird. And it, it builds off like lore and fan lore as well. Well, one the of them does, yeah. In weird, ways. like yeah, it's, it's quite strange. Really odd. Um, I know you're, you're, you're a particular favourite of yours. We're not going to spoil it. Is you're a big fan of Mr. Vessels I from love Germany, Vessel. who, who shouts "Oh!" whenever you yeah. Pick every him, time Mr. you pick Vessel him on the screen, the he just goes "Oh!" And then uh, <laughs> and also I, he shouts something in German whenever he wins. And for some reason, I've I've internalised it as Gebrugen. So now I just I think it's Gewonnen. Like, Gewonnen makes more sense. <laughs> but yeah. Gebrugen in my head is now the Cryer Vessel uh, as he runs from side to side of the court, shaking the sides of the court and screaming, <laughs> which for some reason is the way he celebrates. It's just it really is fantastic. He, like 
if you've got Xbox, please just... It's on Game Pass. It's on Switch. It's on PlayStation. I haven't actually checked. It's probably like 15 or £20, pounds, it's £20, it? pounds like, yeah. I oh, think. $20, £20. I think. Pounds. Okay, so slightly less in the UK. Like, um... Yeah, and if you've got Game Pass, just check it out. Like, if you've got a friend to play with as well, it's good. If you're playing against the computer, it's good. I will say, on medium, it's a very hard game, even against the computer. Like, play on easy to start with, because I'm, I'm telling you now. As someone who I would consider myself okay at Windjammers, I struggle to get far in the medium campaign. It's, it's, Maybe I'm bad. It's tough. I don't no, but the, the AI plays really different to humans as well. Like, it deals with certain yeah. things very, very well in ways that humans definitely do not. Um, so I'm not sure it's actually the best training. No. I suppose because against other people, it's kind of an endurance battle because it's whoever makes the first mistake. Yeah. If you play against a computer, they don't really make mistakes. Yeah. You have to beat them. There are, and uh, I, those that does lead me to like I have two small criticisms of Windjammers too that I think could actually oh no. be that could actually be fixed, and they're in the structure of how it's put together, not in the game itself. And they're both things that I think mm-hmm. die you you know you're fucking listening come on pull your fingers out there's two things one i think it needs better tutorials like the the tutorial Mm -hmm. in this is a slideshow of controls and it doesn't give you a chance to like use those in training mode and i know that's based slightly in the fact that the original windjammers were sort of discovered by the community like people put together how to play it through playing a lot of it but i think these days especially if they want to get to evo and that kind of thing you really need to give people the chance to like mess about in the ways they want to with these systems and understand how they work the other thing is that the Mm. online options aren't good enough right now like you can only play one-on-one online there's no spectating there's no opportunity to set up tournaments there's no like 2v2 where people two people are playing at the same time then swap over after those matches like it doesn't give you very many chances to like indulge in a long session with a bunch of friends like you really have to just go hello my one friend would you like to play one game with me for an hour and with like with no opportunities for breaks or anything like that and it's a just feels a little off in sort of the modern climate and if those things were added i think it it would have a real effect on the possible popularity of it and that's what worries me is i think it i think there's every chance that windjammers 2 will just disappear quite quickly because there's so much stuff on game pass all the time in particular and Mm -hmm. If it got like a PS Plus release in a few months, that might be very good for it. I know that's how Windjammers 1 did well last time on the re-release, so I would love to see that. But um, the game itself is near perfect again, which is absurd. It is ridiculously replayable. We'll have to play it sometimes, Matt. Maybe it'll get you. Maybe it'll get we'll you. We'll see. It's it's just you know. one of those. It's obviously in a at an intersection of fighter and sports games, two genres I basically know jack all about. That's so. it. I I really don't like fighting games. I don't like stuff about like the pursuit of perfection. I'm not into like you know minute gains over long periods of time. But something about this feels throwaway enough, mm-hmm. like and silly enough that it's not. You get to a level where you're competing meaningfully with most people after an hour, and I think that's I think that's part of its part of its genius. Um, mm-hmm. Just everyone listening to this, play fucking Windjammers! Come on, please do it. Let's get it. Let's get it going. Game of the year, Windjammers two. I'm into it. Um, <laughs> um, one game, Matt. We played this week. We had a we had a preview of a game probably a lot of people haven't heard of before called Midnight Ghost Hunt. Another new kind of riff on the prop hunt style of uh game mm-hmm. do you want to tell us how this one works because it's there's a there's a quite a bit to it yeah kind of like we um we've played 
uh, like a prop hunt game recently, which we discussed on the podcast, which was Prop Night. Which is so prop hunt games are hide and seek games. Like you may know of Prop Hunt from the. It used to be in a Call of Duty. I think it might have been Black Ops Two had a Prop Hunt mode, and it's a hide and seek mode where one team is looking for people that are hiding, and those people that are hiding have transformed themselves into objects around the map. Midnight Ghost Hunt uses that as kind of like its very core idea, but the way that it unfolds on that I think is a lot deeper than any prop hunt game I've sort of like toyed around before. And the idea is is it's basically an unofficial homage to Ghostbusters, I think is probably the easiest point of to imagine what it's like. And it's a 4v4 game in which there's a team of Ghostbusters and there's a team of ghosts. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a map which the ones that we played very much kind of like a pulling on tropes from horror so one was a haunted mansion because of course it is one was a ghost ship and one was definitely 1980s prom gone wrong kind of deal um if you play as the the hunters it's it's essentially it's a first person shooter there's a, a 90 second phase at the start where you are picking like a gun and a gadget to take in with you the gadgets tend to be things that are used to detect ghosts, whilst the gun has got a very kind of pro-on-pack kind of feel to it. They're very ramshackle. Yeah. Like, one of them is quite clearly, like, a piece of lawnmower that has had, like, some sort of ectoplasmic beam shackled onto it. One's a nail gun that shoots icicles, and one's a, a cardio, remember, you were using a shotgun that's just, like, full of salt, um, yeah. yeah, it was very fun. very kind of DIY. And you, four of you, go into this mansion, and any item in the map could be one of the four ghosts that have hidden themselves in in the environment. And the idea is, is you've got five minutes to find and destroy all of these ghosts. So you can use the equipment. There's like a radar that can kind of like that pings when you're close to them. There's this kind of tv that you can pick up that shows you the footprints where ghosts have been um all stuff kind of like that or you can just hit things and hope that it (laughs) turns out that they're not actually real things um the ghosts meanwhile have a much more defensive strategy they can't attack humans kind of directly so they're very much about putting down traps or creating kind of spectral kind of distractions to make sure that they can survive all the way. Or if you're me, just hide as a duck for hide five minutes. Was it a rubber duck? I didn't see I did. you. It- no, it's a real it duck. A- so I was on top of, uh, near the top of a mast on the ghost ship, on the ship, just sitting there as a duck, a real duck. And my only ability was every now and then I could quack if I wanted. <laughs> uh, and I did that for a full five minutes and they never found me once. I had a fantastic time. Nice. Being Alternatively, a duck. I possessed a cannon and was able to shoot <laughs> the enemies when they came close yeah, to me. But- who wants to play as a cannon when you can play as this a duck? This is true. I, I missed out on, on clearly the best part of Midnight Ghost Hunt. But the idea <laughs> is, is because you've not really got a huge amount of attack ability as ghosts, it's just to survive until the five minutes is up, in which case the in-game clock strikes midnight, and then things get a lot more violent because the ghosts, any of the ghosts that have been busted by the hunters get brought back to life, and all of them basically turn into demonic spirits that can pretty much kill a hunter in like two or three swipes it's Mm. it's very hard at that point if you're the hunters Mm -hmm. to win like you basically your best chance if you're the hunters is get them in that first five minutes or it's very unlikely you're gonna win yeah which is kind of where i think at this point they're in i think they've got a closed beta coming up very shortly like it's not this game isn't coming out 
they might be coming out soon i don't know they're still very much in development though mm-hmm. like there is maybe some balance in tweaks there that need to be looked at yeah yeah kind of like my preview which should be up or by now on ign um that's my main deal right is it goes from being i think that middle phase where you know after you've done the prep and you've come in and it's the hide and seek phase i think is really quite well balanced at least from like the mm-hmm. experience that we had like as a ghost even though you can't directly attack and you don't have like guns or stuff there's enough things that you can do to slow them down or to at least do a tiny little bit of damage that gives you the chance to run away into a different room and hide as a new prop and the hunters have got good gadgets and really fun weapons to use to kind of do their side of it the moment it switches into that midnight mode and all of the ghosts suddenly become very very powerful and can attack that that phase is four minutes long and as a hunter you basically don't have any chance especially well, if one of you died well it's like they, uh, the because we were playing with the developer mm-hmm. and their suggestion was basically just run the maps are small you can't really run for four minutes and there's no way to hide either because yeah. the ghost can see you through walls you can't change into objects you're basically like uh not an actual you know a ghost duck like i was you're a sitting duck for for four minutes basically yeah. and yeah kind of it's very hard to turn those tables at this it point. sort of feels at that point that it might be a punishment rather than like a redemptive mm-hmm. point for the ghost to be able to get their own back it's it doesn't feel balanced at that point it's like if you failed you're just gonna die because and and it's it's like a four minute long and like horribly enduring bloodbath that happens at the yeah. end which is a shame because I think pretty much everything else around it that I've seen so far, I think has got lots of cool ideas. Like aesthetically, it's nice. It's well presented. It's got cool balance in terms of like the weapons to gadgets to ghost powers. The maps seem pretty cool. And they're like, there's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the mansion is actually, even though it's a mansion in design, it's very kind of twisty and windy and lots of narrow corridors, spiral staircases, small like library rooms. Which then compared to the um, the prom night one is a massive open gym where kind of like you're having to hide a bit more in plain sight as the ghost. There's less like little crannies to get into. Mm-hmm. And then like the ghost ship one had got this, the water's basically cursed and will eat away at your suits if you're a hunter wading through the water. So there's a bit more kind of environmental damage there. I love all of that kind of stuff. It's just that final phase if the ghosts can survive that point is kind of like the clinch point at the moment that's making it like i would assume <laughs> a closed beta would raise that issue quite heavily with I, yeah i think i i'm looking forward to this i think when it eventually comes out i'd, I'd keep an eye on it because it, it was quite fun um i think we'd play it a bit and yeah like you said it just has a nice fun aesthetic to it it's kind of it's not taking itself too seriously no, no. like it's just it's very fun it's- definitely like you said got ghostbustery vibes to it is it scary at any point or is it more no it's not fun. it's never leading it can be yeah it's definitely it's more casper ghostbusters yeah, yeah. Than, that, that's than, the yeah. vibe i got i just i couldn't tell whether that hide and seek section like could be scary if you see what i mean like you could, uh, if it was i could definitely yeah i think they're aiming for like everyone with this game and i think like you yeah it, i could definitely see it being one of those games that like you know kids watch on twitch mm-hmm. a lot like, I think it's got like when when midnight comes there's an a, like an immediate intensity to like the whole map starts to like glow red and the ghosts turn from being kind of like these quite caspery sort of grey blue spectres mm. into red like clawy sort of spirits 
and so there's that kind of thing which reminds me a little bit of kind of like when ghostbusters does the flick and you get characters that turn from things that look a little bit more normal Mm. into the spooky kind of stuff but ultimately yeah it's not it's not like dead by daylight or anything like that this is clearly uh it's supposed to be a good fun kind of ghost game Mm -hmm. yeah I'd, i'd keep an eye out for midnight ghost hunt looks quite fun uh I'm sure we'll talk about it again at some point. Um, similar to Midnight is Moon Knight. Nice. Is that one of the most laboured segues ever? I think Probably. it's one of your better ones. Oh, God. Well, that's... Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, we got the first trailer for Moon Knight, and it's coming as soon as the, Mar- uh, soon as the March 30th, I was going to say. That's not how you'd say that, but uh, end of March. Uh, sooner than I thought. Yeah. I will say that. Um, I lost a contact lens. So there's going to be some... Yeah. I... Okay, should we go straight on to Oscar Isaac's British accent? I, personally... maybe I, I know I'm in the minority here. I, I don't mind it. I, I genuinely think it. it's all right. Like, it's... I think there's a, the second line in the trailer, maybe. You know when he's throwing the Rubik's Cube up It's the, the one, the dreams one. He's like, oh, dreams. Yeah, there's one. one. there's one particular <laughs> line that sounds off. But genuinely, apart from anything else, it's just fun to hear an american actor doing that british accent like yeah, you like never hear anyone do anything that's not like i'm a posh man actually and uh, yeah. like cockney geezer <laughs> like they never they and never I, do I, anything I, outside i'm sure because i don't think we do unless that one voice later on we do hear is meant to be his other accent but are they going for the whole because obviously moon knight the character is a split personality so that voice like, is almost certainly Stephen Grant because so Moon Knight yeah. has three personalities at least in the comics. It seems like the show is probably only going to do two of them, but Moon Knight's default personality in the comics is Mark Spector, mm-hmm. who is like an ex mercenary. Yeah. But this trailer definitely sets it up as the default starting personality in this is going to be this dude that works in like is in the british museum british museum's gift shop right it feels like this is gonna be uh start in media res and basically there's a whole storyline of mark specter that has led us to the point of where we start with stephen graham and he's like his brain has just gone right wipe the slate we're playing as him did I say Stephen Graham? Yeah. What did mm. I mean? Yeah, you did. Stephen yeah, Grant. Yeah. Stephen Grant. <laughs> he's Stephen Graham. He's a very scary Liverpudlian character. <laughs> um, he, uh, but like the idea of him, sort of um, the sort of that idea of like there's sort of that amnesia storyline to play with, but it's a bit more silly and a bit more mm-hmm. mad. Kind of really appeals to me. Yeah. I'm into that. I'm into it, and I like that. So, and obviously, it's going to be there to just as differentiate those two characters in his head yeah. as much as possible isn't it so i'm into it i'm i really i i love ethan hawk so i'm just happy to see more ethan hawk he looks properly creepy as this sort of david koresh like cult man i always like, get ethan hawk mixed up with kevin bacon and in this role he looks like an <laughs> oh, 80s kevin look, bacon got, so it's really thrown me off he? like i when i watched it i was like oh bacon's in there oh no it's no that's ethan hawk. <laughs> it's ethan hawk I love Ethan Hawke and yeah I'm I I want him to be properly creepy in this like mm. I just I like this in London as well I know lots of things are in London I'm always going to say I like things in London because I'm from London but I I, I like it uh, um, someone pointed yeah. out the funny thing that in Black Panther they had to invent a fake British museum so that they yeah. could say they'd stolen all the artifacts in there and then in this one it's like but also they got the British museum and it's totally fine it's not mm. full of stolen things at the all one, the one the one bad thing I, uh, that's 
trailer gave me was uh, memories of they show the pyramids they show Oscar Isaac looking at the pyramids at one point I think I'm like oh that just gives me horrible flashbacks to X-Men Apocalypse oh yeah um, where he plays the villain and there's all sorts going on one of the worst films I'll ever see um, but I'm glad he's got another shot at Marvel because mm-hmm. <laughs> he deserves it but you know like everyone says Moon Knight or you know people's not everyone people say Moon Knight is you know Marvel's take on Batman like he's a he's a very similar vibe like mm-hmm. Some of those shots, you're looking at them like, oh, they're really leaning into that. Like that one down the corridor where he's punching a werewolf or whatever it is. Yeah. Like that is yeah. straight up. I wonder how. Batman. Yeah, I wonder how violent it's going to be. Because like, da- is it going to be like Daredevil? I don't. Level? Yeah. I don't even know. You. Ca- I don't think you can put anything on Disney Plus's main segment. Right? Wasn't their pledge that they would make everything? Was yeah. I think PG thirteen. Uh, they is have max. stars, but don't you? Star is oh, it? Do you have to unlock that? Yes, I think you do. Star doesn't exist on games. the US version of it. That's a separate oh, thing. We okay, just get it as a package awesome. over here. Mm. Um, but yeah, like that shot of him from behind, like punching down, has got a Netflix vibe to it. It does remind mm. me quite a lot of Daredevil. I think they will do. I think this one will be the most intense that they can get away with in terms of what they've done so far within that bracket. Mm. Um, it's mm-hmm. probably not going to be like the Max comics or anything like that, where you know, which do Punisher to a wild degree. But I would hope that we get like Batman's always been a PG thirteen, right? Like you know, the Nolan stuff mm-hmm. can be intense in that. Well, bracket. even the new Batman, yeah, is yeah. So yeah, I am really looking forward to it. I'm again, it's one of those where. I hope it's self-contained, but I'm wondering how on earth do they start? Yeah, intertwining Moon Knight into the rest of the MCU. Like, where do the big rumors? seems like the big rumor is Sharon Carter turns up in this one, so she's going to continue as oh, okay. what, what's her evil role? She's not the Shadow Power Broker, broker. She, Power Broker. Um, so I wonder so whether there's is, something there. He gets tied up in that sort of like, uh, yeah. uh, you know, the like vigilante sort of group, the Madripoor stuff, and all that. Like, yeah. I can't remember the name of that team, but this we're getting the further we get into the MCU, the more they start bringing in the characters that I don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Like Moon Knight, I know very little about. Like I don't know if he is like a vigilante, if he is a hero, if he's an anti-hero. I don't know like, where on the spectrum he traditionally fits. I think so. You, yeah, I don't you know. Consider him a hero. He's just got a little bit more of violent tendencies to him. Like I don't think he actually okay. like fall out murders people. Like, in the same way that Batman, right? He's got that kind of point. He's a wimp, is what you're saying. No. He, he, he chickens out. <laughs> if, if, that, if, that's your depict, if that's your version of uh, not murdering people, then sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And not a long to wait now. So, yeah. The, we thought we were getting five months off of Marvel. It turns out we're only getting about two. So, <laughs> there we go. It keeps on coming. Um, do you know what else keeps on coming? The Endless Search. <laughs> Joe, mm. you're quizzing us, baby. Yeah, I am. Via the medium of person whose name i can't find now uh, well this is an interesting one right this is from uh someone whose email address is lists them as Haley, but then they wrote in a year ago with a similar version of this quiz and i think they signed <laughs> off this, as is this, nick is this the quiz trying to work out who the person's so is that's basically thank you to either Haley or nick um okay. for your contribution 
we played this a year ago, as I said. This is a game where you go through clues from ESRB ratings and you get more points the sooner you guess what game the proves. Oh, okay. So is it like PG Tips? Yeah, but it's but ESRB. <laughs> Which, know. if you are American, is... Oh, no, that is the ESRB. We are Peggy, aren't we? Yeah, we're Peggy. So, yeah. Um, Peggy. So... Also, worth bearing in mind, all the games included in this list, I believe there are ten. Or there might be more. We'll just keep going until we're bored. Um, Are uh, from 2021. Oh, okay. Actually. Testing that. I don't think this is from 2021. Nick slash Haley. One sec. (laughs) I'm looking it up. Dead air. Okay. Also, tail end of 2020. <laughs> so, okay. You've, it's from still the a, last year and a half. Yeah, so it's <laughs> from the pandemic period. Let's go. Oh, with brilliant. That. Well, a wonderful time to look back on. Yes. I'm going to start <laughs> with this. Uh, so, okay. there are five clues in each one. You get five points for the first for guessing on the first clue, one mm-hmm. point for guessing on the final clue. I'm going to write Here down the names on a piece of paper. Here we go. Five points. One character is seen with mucus dripping from his nose. Oh, there's a lot of, lot of mucus games out there, isn't there? Well, it's not, oh. it's not Far Cry 5, but there is a lot of snot in a sequence of Far Cry 5. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Big mucus scene. Um, I don't know. Back for Blood. No. Is it okay. The Last of Us Part 2? No. Four points. The dialogue also contains comical references, e.g. whoever smelt it dealt it. Oh, okay. So it must have a a younger even like a school school sort of Borderlands three? No. No. Oh. Cardi. I'm gonna, give, like I'm gonna give you one guess on now, each. Okay. Oh, I'm trying to think what kind of games had a maybe like kids in or like a younger uh, oh yeah, look. The th- new life is strange. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say oh. also, Haley slash Nick. Uh, you have a very collapsed version of time in your brain because um, <laughs> I think almost none of these are from 2021. Am I even oh. looking at the right document? <laughs> oh, for God's sake! <laughs> I'm not. This is the original one. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Okay, let, why don't we do the right one? Haley slash Nick, you're fine. Your brain's absolutely okay. <laughs> Joe's gone. He's, he's I was just it. looking, that was bizarre. I don't know how I even opened that one. What was that one out of interest? Animal Crossing New Horizons. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that was a while ago. All right. <laughs> that was the practice round. Now to the real deal. Five points. One sequence depicts a room with blood-covered skeletons and a blood-stained rack device. Rack device. Uh, is that Bat for Blood? No. Okay. Is I've it one for the Forgotten City? It is five points. That's an absolute Get smash. <laughs> I was, I, I, because I, I played the Forgotten City like three weeks ago, and I remember the rack, and I yeah. remember investigating it. So, 
four points, a handful of French and Latin phrases appear in the game. Three points, a handful of sequences depict beer or wine, and one mission inv- involves fetching a wine bottle. Two points, from a first-person perspective, players interact with citizens, perform tasks and missions, and engage in and slash try to prevent violent acts. And one point, this is an adventure game in which players explore an ancient Roman <laughs> city after magically being transported to the past. No, what I've done there is I've tried to think of like a dish rack or like a clothes rack, mm. not not like a torture device. <laughs> gotcha. And that's where I slipped up. <laughs> okay. Five points. Battles can be frenetic, with frequent explosions and waves of enemies hitting at once. Enemy creatures sometimes emit multicoloured splatters when hit. Ratchet and Clank. Oh, he's got it. It's a big fiver. Get in. Not the bin. The high scoring game. We're just elite Elite when it comes to last year's games. (laughs) Five points. Oh, I'll go go through the rest. Third person perspective. Players explore worlds, interact with characters, and battle stylised robots. Stylised robots and aliens. Players used oversized blasters and ranged weapons. Players can also use a wrench for melee attacks. And this is an action game which players assume the role of a fox-like character and his friends. Five points. From a first-person perspective, players explore environments and use pistols, shotguns, and machine guns. It's Deathloop? No. Bat for blood? No. Four points. Some attacks result in decapitation and or dismemberment of enemies, often accompanied by large spatters of blood. Call of Duty Vanguard? No. What other first-person shooters were there last year? Halo Infinite? No. They're not that violent, is it? Halo. No. Three points. Cutscenes can depict additional acts of intense violence and gore. A character's heart ripped out of their chest. A person chopped through the shoulder by a machete. A character impaled through the chest by a giant weapon. A person repeatedly shot. Is it Far Cry 6? No. Oh. I mean, I'm... These are these are all definitely this year, aren't they? Mm-hmm. This okay. time, I, I I'm absolutely sure. Really, I, that I was going to say Doom Eternal, but that was that was the year before. Yeah. What other violent shooters were there last year? Uh, I can't even think of. I've already. Uh, I might just have to. I might just have to pass. I'm trying to think of. It's fine if you want to pass. Outriders? No, that was third person. That no. Go on. Two points. Players shoot and kill fantastical creatures, e.g. werewolves, ghouls, mutants, mechanical humanoids. Oh. Resident through. Evil Village? Yes. Two points. There we go. For Carly Boy. Yeah, see? Style on the first person shooting. It's very smart. Mm. This is why I should always have believed in Haley slash Nick having the correct I think we take always on did. this. I didn't. Yeah. I was telling them they had a compressed view of time. Imagine that. <laughs> When all, all really happened was you pressed the wrong link. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Press. <laughs> uh, right. Five points. This game depicts a character that frequently smokes. One character mumbles and hiccups as if intoxicated, laying over a table with strewn bottles. Um, is that Far Cry? No. Far Cry surprisingly open to interpretations. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I felt like you could fit any of these into mm. Far Cry. Hmm, <laughs> character smokes a lot. 
It's not Psychonauts 2, is it? Is there it is not Psychonauts, Psychonauts 2, but that is a good shout, because there is a surprising amount of smoking in that game. <laughs> Four points. It's because it's cool. <laughs> yeah, so goddamn cool. Play a bit of jazz, smoke a cigarette. Four points. Battles are highlighted by slow motion effects, impact sounds, and brief blood splatter effects. Bloodstains remain on floors after battles. <laughs> is that Deathloop? No. Oh, I, don't, I can't remember. I can't remember. Actually, one of the visionaries must smoke a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of smoking in that, surely. Hmm. Slow. Uh, I've got one. Mm, I might I'm, mm, I'll put the pressure on my mind. I know what it is. <laughs> oh, I mean, you could just say it. You're not limited, right? Uh, well I've said shotgun. limited one oh. one per one per round or one per point. No guess, Matt? No, no guess from me. Players use swords slash melee weapons, arrows, and magic to defeat enemies and bosses. Well, it's not what I thought it was, then. Uh, <laughs> swords? Mm, sound a bit more... Hmm. Swords? Is this a 2021, is it, or is this one of the ones this that This is leaked? definitely a 2021. All... All of these definitely are. <laughs> I Smoking and swords. What kind I of game say, is that? I would say the smoking you can probably put out of your head. That's a very obscure. Oh, okay. So, what was that one again? Swords, magic, and something else. Swords, arrows. melee weapons, arrows, and magic. What's melee? Arrows and magic. I can't think of like many fantasy games that came out last year. Am I going mad? I'm probably going mad. Uh. Magic. Very highly rated. Oh no. <laughs> but did I play it? Is the question. Pretty sure you did. Oh no. I'm not <laughs> I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure you both did. I might have to move on. Yeah. I can't think. Okay. From a top down perspective, players explore fantastical worlds, solve puzzles, and battle a variety it's... of monsters and demigods. Oh, I think Oh, mm. demigods! I was going to say Death Store. It is Death Store. Is it? Yes. Oh, there we go. I played a few hours of that. I love. Didn't quite grab me like it did other people. I think. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I don't think it was one of the best games last year. Poisonly, the end section is fucking yeah. rock hard. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's go for a harder one. Ah, oh, nah. <laughs> Five points. The game contains some suggestive material. Harpies designed with large amounts of cleavage. Game text with mild innuendo. Harpies? Fuck. I've played something with harpies recently. I'm trying to think what I've, I've played, played something with heavy cleavage harpies recently. <laughs> is, what, is what Matt's currently stroking. Is that outriders? It's not. No. Heavy cleavage uh, harpies. Well, that game's got name. a very uh, old school, naughty aesthetic, hasn't it? It does. What's that oh, guy called? Electro Freak. <laughs> Goddamn Electro Freak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I have to move on, I can't think. Four points. Combat against creatures, e.g. vampires, goblins, harpies, is accompanied by impact sounds and growls of pain. <laughs> Pain. I'm just. I can't think of many like 
fantasy games that came out. It's a good shout. Well, this one did. All right. So there you go. Vampires. Is that Bat for Blood? No, that's no Bat. No, mm-hmm. ignore me. Ign- Stupid gas, that waste of breath. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I've wasted my guess there. Nothing? No. Nothing. Um, Three points. Battles are presented as brief turn based sequences with characters using weapons to slash at each other, draining opponents' health meters. Wildermyth? It's a good shout, though. Turn-based and harpies and vampires. Turn-based and harpies. Search not, that on Steam. It's not like Darkest Dungeon 2, is it? It's not. Oh. Very good art style, that game. Uh, two points. This is a role-playing game in which players modify terrain while fighting monsters in a fantasy world. Modify terrain? Ooh. What on earth? I don't know a lot about this game, so I'm going to say Tales of Arise. It's not Tales of Arise. <laughs> I can't think of any fantasy RPG yeah. that came out. You think the Arising year. is like making a mountain pop yeah. up? Exactly, that's what I was thinking. Exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> not so, nothing, Matt. No. It's one turn out I've played this, isn't it? <laughs> I think you both have. Uh, one point: as players oh, undertake expeditions, they use cards to place enemies, buildings, and terrain along a loop for their hero to encounter. Oh, loop hero! Loop oh, I've, hero. I've not played loop hero. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. That's all right. Uh, How many more are we doing? I don't What's know. The score? That's five. Uh, what did you get? One. All right, let's do one more because. If Matt gets a five on this, then he draws the game. <laughs> so I think we, I think we can go with it. I'm going to go with. Let's do an even seven. Let's do two more. That gives him a chance. I feel an, bad. An even seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So an even. You know, it's a nice sounding number. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm six. into that. Who does six of anything? We'll do two more. Apart from balls in a cricket over. You know what are you? Five points. <laughs> Characters sometimes reference drugs and being high on drugs. Is that Life is Strange? It's not. <laughs> I haven't played it. I'm guessing they're just sitting around in Seattle going, oh, oh, we should get high on drugs. They're not in Seattle. It's probably not what that game is, is it? <laughs> Isn't it? I thought it was in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, it's what, not in near Seattle. Seattle. Oh, near Seattle. It's in though. Colorado. <laughs> is it? Haven oh, Springs. It Northwest. Is it? Is that... the original Life is Strange in the Northwest? <laughs> Second one I'm on is. a tan. Second one is. Matt, what's your guess? Oh, yeah, they both are. Uh, my guess is Deathloop. It is Deathloop. There we go. Matt ties oh. the game. Here we go. Let's go well, for we're the, gonna have to do we're another do the one even now. seven. <laughs> <laughs> it's ten all. Uh, cut, just going through the rest. Cut scenes depict further instances of intense violence. Fighting is often frenetic with frequent gunfire. Players use machetes, pistols, and sniper rifles, and this is a first-person shooter in which players follow the story of two assassins, etc., etc. Here it is. It's all on this. I'm going to try and go for an interesting one. Okay, I'm going to go with this. Good. I know know this is one. I know this is one you both played. Okay. No. So I don't want to hear shit about it. Five points. One sequence depicts players' character... Sorry, players' 
characters engaging in a drinking contest. Another scene shows the central character repeatedly drinking alcohol at a bar and then passing out. Hmm. Hmm. Passing out. No, Silent came into my head, but it was completely wrong. <laughs> Just trying to think of Again. games that I've played that have got bars in them. Mm-hmm. This year, yeah. There's, this is, I think this it's is a, good, a lot. Of... I think it's a good first clue because one yeah. of those ones where you're like, so, I've seen a lot of things, but it's not the main thing in a lot of things. It's not. Yeah, I'm trying to think just of all the games that came out last year. Mm. Drinking until you pass out. I don't. I'm just. I know it's not. I'm going to go Far Cry. It's not Far Cry. Another game that I can think of that has a bar, but I don't think there was any drinking in it, but because it's the only one I can think of, is Outriders. Not Outriders. Four points. Enemies sometimes emit splashes of blood when hit, resulting in bloodstains on characters and the environment. Cutscenes depict additional acts of violence. A a close-up of an alien shooting himself in the head, or a character executed at close range. Guardians of the Galaxy. No. No! I know, that seems like such the correct <laughs> no! answer. But it ain't Because I'm sure you drink in that. You there's do. a bar. It has everything. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Just say the last section of that clue again. Cutscenes depict no. additional acts of violence. A close-up of an alien shooting himself in the head and a character executed at close range. I I've I haven't got a guess anymore. Uh, That's annoying. I'm trying to think of things that I've played with. I can't think of anything. I just haven't played games clearly for years. No, no, nothing from me. Nothing. I've got a guess lined up, but I'm not sure. Three points. From a third-person perspective, players traverse the galaxy, exploring planets. Mass Effect Legendary. Correct. Cardi takes it. Oh, the fucking. Yeah, I know what the shooting itself is now. Thought you might. (laughs) It's a good game. Uh, Enjoyed that. Especially when you do the right one. When you do the right part of (laughs) the game that was actually submitted, it's very good. And then not have a go at the kind person who sent it in. I wasn't having a go, I was just saying they had a compressed (laughs) sense of time, which I know in these days you can't say anything. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure I can say that you've got a compressed sense of time. Well, do you know what's not being compressed this week? Feedback. We've got double feedback because we had so much feedback this week about everything from sequels we want to see to, of course, lunchbox treats, which we will get to. Don't worry. But uh, first up, I think you have one more. Mm -hmm. About the big issue of the week here from Chris. I'm going to say Chris Boots, but I do apologise if it's actually Chris Booties. But I think it's, <laughs> I think it's, it's just boots. boots. <laughs> there is no one. <laughs> I hope it's booties. <laughs> hey guys, as always, love the show. No doubt you'll talk plenty about it this week. Anyway, but I've got a question <laughs> no, we that I can't shake regarding the Microsoft Activision buyout. The only oh, current yeah, game or franchise in the console space that this seems to really affect is Call of Duty. 
the majority of the other active properties live on PC, live in the PC domain, with World of Warcraft being the biggest name I can think of, even though it's past its popularity peak. Where Microsoft already has a foothold, so um, Microsoft already has a foothold on PC, and Sony barely has any presence. So what are Microsoft gaining from this massive spend? They spent 7.5 billion on Bethesda and Zenimax. And while that's still an insane amount of money, it secured properties like Doom, Wolfenstein, Dishonored, and other great titles as well, as, the, as well as the other studios that came with them. So it just feels like for a fraction of the cost, they got a whole more bang for their buck. Obviously, I'm missing something, but I can't wrap my head around it and was hoping you fine gents might be able to enlighten me. Stay safe, and as always, respect the sea. We will, we will do our best to enlighten. Um, I will say that probably... One Call of Duty games probably outsold the whole of Doom, Wolfenstein, and yes, Dishonored series probably absolutely. combined. Mm-hmm. So that is the yeah, that is a big deal of it. It may only sound like one series, and it isn't only one series, but that one series is the biggest series in all of games. I think I saw someone saying that Warzone accounted for. I'm going to get this really wrong, but I think it's. I think they estimated like thirty percent of PlayStation's profits mm-hmm. on microtransactions came from warzone mm. something along that like something wild like that last year so it gives you just the sense of like how much this means to any company that owns it never mind like the potential effect on i don't think warzone's ever going to be taken off playstation but it does give you a sense of what it means to playstation to lose call of duty mm-hmm. to some extent yeah, it's um, also worth pointing out that when, because Sony recently showed you the breakdown of what the mo- biggest selling games of the year were across their territories, and in the US and UK, the top ones were, I think it was Madden and FIFA, but the second in both territories was Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. That's in a year where Call of Duty didn't sell as much last year as previous CODs have. Together, though, because obviously it's two separate games in the number one slots, Call of Duty in North America and Europe is like the biggest selling paid for a 70 bucks, you know, 65 Mm. quid paid for game. That is worth a huge amount. Um, And that's not to say anything of like, I think, uh, Mr. Booties, you are considering this um, perhaps from the perspective of like the core gamer where actually Microsoft is not thinking in those terms. Like for a start, this gives it an immediate giant boost to Game Pass, which is where it's making huge amounts of money. Uh, The fact that those things live in the PC domain doesn't matter to them. They want a stranglehold on PC. Like the fact that they'll get Battle.net, which is, you know, has historically been a a pretty good online network system for a lot of these things is just like a technological benefit. World of Warcraft is a Mm -hmm. huge thing that could quite easily come back. Also imagine if they put World of Warcraft on Xbox, you're not like getting as many people asking for Final Fantasy on Xbox as they are right now. That's currently a PlayStation console exclusive. It gives them King, which hasn't been talked about very much by people like us because we're not interested in mobile games, but it immediately turns Microsoft from pretty much anonymous in the mobile space into a huge player in the mobile space. And you can guarantee in the same way that as soon as Take-Two bought Zynga, they were like, we're going to turn every big franchise we have into mobile games. Imagine, Mike, there will be... In the next few years, there will be Halo Microsoft, um, Halo mobile games. There will be Forza. Well, they tried Forza mobile games; it didn't really work. There'll be better Forza mobile games. You know, like they're just going to push this this side of things. And mobile is an unbelievably huge market segment. So this isn't seventy billion spent to get a bunch of good game franchises. It's seventy billion to bolster a bunch of segments for them. Uh, 
you know, I think I think the positive offshoot of this is a hopefully people at Activision Blizzard will be treated better. Um, Microsoft has mm-hmm. a lot better, as far as we know, a lot better track record with those things. B I think it means that certain franchises are more likely to come back in the same way that we've talked previously about like Arcane being allowed to be Arcane under Microsoft and not being under any threat of going out of business. This might see the return of a Guitar Hero. This might see the return of a bunch of stuff. Um, like, there's a lot of franchises that are dormant there that could come back. It could mean that things like, you know, it's it's kind of hard to tell where we go with this stuff, but I think there's a lot of there's there's so much upside for Microsoft by being able to spend this much in the first place that I don't think the massive spend looks mm-hmm. as big when you consider how many areas they get benefited from. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I don't think they've made a bad deal by any means. I'm sure they've researched. They haven't just gone into a shop on a whim and go, let's spend sixty eight point seven billion. But don't get uh, don't get me wrong. I'm more interested in what Bethesda's Animax stuff has coming. Like, I think that's the. Oh, I think that's for me, for us, for people listening to this podcast. That's the stuff you're going to be excited about, and that's exactly what Microsoft want. They have a whole. They've bought like the cool core gamers company, and now they've bought the giant media conglomerate that gives them all the other stuff. Like, it's it's those moves in tandem are absolutely huge. Like, just thinking back to a few years ago where they were buying like the people who made we happy for you you're like wow that was like a very different scale of stuff like i'm sure what they're making is really cool and i can't wait to see what they're doing but i mean this is a whole different level now Mm. it's it's insane and they've stolen spyro and crash from playstation a real dagger in the heart there to uh the og playstation uh yeah but mascots also (laughs) if you are buying playstation these days are you really holding out for the next big crash exclusive no, but it's just weird that, you know, mm. if there is ever another Crash game, it could be an Xbox exclusive. Mm-hmm. It's a very odd world we're now living in. But there we go. Uh, that's that's the big news. We don't often actually talk about the big <laughs> story. We do often actually reference it. <laughs> like, for us to yeah, have just yeah. ignored it to this point is quite Well, funny. we knew it was coming in the email, so we just waited, you know. Big news. stuff to talk about, like, big what's it, boys. Windjammers too. Uh, uh, exactly. Right. <laughs> that's the big. That's the things that people should be talking about. I've got a meaty old email from Ben Cowles, oh, yeah. or it could be Ben Cowley's. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> ben has titled this his improbable idea for GTA Six because uh, we were asking for other people's dream sequel predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben says, "I know GTA is all about satirizing the United States, but it was set in the UK once and could slash should do it again. But mm. don't set it in London. Let's set it in a fictionalized version of Manchester and some surrounding towns and countryside in the '90s slash 2000s." I genuinely love this idea. <laughs> you play as three characters. This is so well thought out. You play as three characters. One would be a slimy, evil version of the record label owner, nightclub manager, TV presenter, and journalist, Tony Wilson. Love it. I like it. Absolutely love it. He'd be in his late 50s, early 60s. You play as him organising drug dealers in a fictional hacienda, meeting weirdos for local news stories, and getting into madcap misadventures with fictionalised versions of the Happy Mondays. Think GTA crossed with 24-hour party people. Can we get Steve Coogan to actually I would like Steve Coogan to play him. Uh, Also, like... Tony Wilson's personality maps really well onto Trevor from GTA. Oh, like I, he's a really bizarre man. Yeah, he, he is a, a real life GTA character. Yeah, <laughs> uh, working for this character would be a young working class kid, about eighteen slash nineteen slash twenty years old. 
who grew up in the wrong side of <laughs> of a, <laughs> a Bolton, he writes. <laughs> I, I think that's implying a fake Bolton. With little to no yep. prospects for work in the post-industrial town, thanks to a fictionalised version of Thatcher, absent parents, <laughs> poverty, and an unfit education system, this guy finds his place among football hooligans. Now we're talking. Yes, we're talking. You start off playing as him, fighting other firms, and getting drunk and smashing up bars. Eventually, through, and he hates journalists. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, through various serendipitous events, Tony takes him under his wing. Think GTA crossed with Football Factory. I think Let's Green go Street. Green Come Street. on. Yeah, exactly. The third character would be a female detective. She grew up with middle-class parents in a posh village in the countryside. She'd start off as a beat copper, but eventually make detective and start investigating Tony. Think one of ITV's endless list of detective dramas, but GTA. Perhaps to make her more morally grey, she'd be knee-deep in financial shit and turn to corruption (laughs) to get herself out. Why not? She'd start off with just a little bit of bribery, but then become addicted to the power. Can it be Vera from the ITV uh, drama? Vera. I want it to be either Rosemary or Time. I'm, I don't remember yeah, which was both. which. You switch. You choose. Yeah. Felicity Kendall or, or the other one. Uh, <laughs> the game would also be split into two... T- this is so ambitious. The, ben- the, the game would also be split into two time periods. One in the early to mid-90s and the other ten or so years later in the mid-2000s. In the 90s, Tony would be doing local news stories, setting up his club. We'd play through the hooligan's childhood and eventual rise through to, the, through to the Bolton Wanderers firm. And the cop would have to deal with rampant sexism as she rises through the ranks. We'd also play through the beginning of her fall. In the oh, noughties, no. the hooligan would be Tony's bodyguard. He'd perhaps get mixed up with more dangerous gangsters and eventually have to choose between working for them or Tony. The detective would be closing in on Tony in ever more corrupt ways. <laughs> Perhaps oh, at the end no. of the game, the player would have to choose whether Tony is arrested or gets away. And there you go. Hope you read this out on the wow. show. Respect the sea and all that. Ben. <laughs> I feel like I've played it already. It's I feel a like big old it. vision of gaming. Rockstar. Well, it is interesting that uh, sorry, Ben there mentions Football Factory because, of course, the Rockstar produced the film, The Football Factory. Yeah. They've only ever produced one film and they were the producers of it, which is a bizarre little fact. So that weird. That happened. Um, so maybe they were they were just researching for this all along, which is a uh, GTA Bolton or G- do, <laughs> GTA Manchester. Do genuinely think like Manchester and surrounding towns and countryside is a really nice like you could do some fun mm-hmm. stuff with that world, like particularly going like like RT Central Manchester to like proper industrial grim '90s stuff like the Rock. Mm. Oh. You could even like condense the north a little bit, have like the moors as well, some dodgy stuff going on mm-hmm. on the moors. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I like maybe it. Sign in that. We'll pitch it to uh, which which houser is it that's still there? Sam. Sam uh, is pitch, still pitch there. Yeah, let's pitch it to him. See what he thinks. Uh, I've got another longish email uh, from Matthew Wiley. He says, "Hi all." Long time, first time, and all that stuff. I've been going back through the podcast since the first lockdown and haven't had a reason to email until now. Mm. After listening to the latest episode and hearing you talk about your dream vi- uh, dream, your dream your video game sequels, I felt I had to acknowledge one of the best video game series ever made that no one talks about anymore. The Legacy of Kane. Mm. This one always comes up when people like bring something back. I feel mm. like this is like top five requested. Um, people love a bit of Nosgoth. 
Oh, they do. The last time we saw this series properly was in the Legacy of Kane Defiance back in 2003. And since then, Square Enix are sitting on this franchise and done nothing with it. Every E3 I pray for a new instalment, even if I know deep down it will probably never happen. I know there was a sequel planned after Defiance called Dark Prophecy, which was sadly cancelled for numerous reasons such as low sales for the prior game, the death of one of the voice actors, and senior developers moving on to other projects. Those are a lot of good reasons, Mm. to be fair, that another one didn't come. Um, One of whom is Amy Hennig, who went on, obviously, to work for Naughty Dog and create Uncharted. There was a reboot plan called Dead Sun, which had footage leaked years ago, but honestly, I thought it looked fucking terrible, (laughs) and nothing like the franchise I'd loved since I was four years old. That's too young Um, for dirty vampire business. Come on, Matthew. (laughs) With the power of the PS5 and Series X, this series could be incredible on current-gen consoles. Seamless loading times between different worlds, high-energy combat, stunning world design, and a continuation of the lore... Uh, lore of that world even that seem like they can make a winning combination i don't know whether it's more worthy of a direct sequel since time has passed or a remake slash reboot is the more viable option i don't know i i never played legacy of kane so i um i don't have much input on it but i do know a lot of people i respect love this game so matt do you have much of a history with it I played the Soul Reaver games, but not mm. the actual mainline legacy where you play. You play as Kane in those, right? The the big kind of like white dude that's more classic vampire mm. than because um, Soul Reaver is the like you're you're more of a freakish kind of vampire, right? And you've got the big yeah. Reaver sword, like little blue lad. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm. I only played a little bit of Soul Reaver on a Vita. <laughs> so that's Vita. yeah I, I downloaded it as like one of those ps1 classics or whatever it was my main memory of these games is that they had scary adverts in magazines when i was younger <laughs> they were always like spooky guys on them so i don't really have a huge amount of uh stuff but as you say cardi like it's one of those things where people we like just mm. really go on about these things <laughs> Um, I don't want to say bang on about it, that's too harsh, but it always does come up. I don't know if it's one of those like, small minority things, you know, when people always like, new Beyond Good and Evil and stuff, it's like, do people, is there a mass, I don't know, want for it, or is it just a beloved like cult? I feel like it's more of a little cult hit. But that's kind of what they go know. for, right? You get the cult hit where everyone, you get a group of people who evangelise it, and then you bring back mm-hmm. the thing as something mass market and hope that people go yeah, for I it. Suppose. Maybe I'll come back. Uh, Matthew does have an extra little question. Mm. He was just wondering, uh, it's kind of the opposite to what we're asking, is there any franchise or one-off game that we'd be fine with not returning? So I don't think he's asking, you know, like a uh, something that's bad, we just don't want to see <laughs> again, but something we love. His examples are, you know, he'd be happy if he never got another Uncharted game or another Bloodborne game because, you know, they're great as is. Um, I kind of... Uncharted's one I'm torn on because I do think that series ends really well. I think it's a really strong ending and I feel like that story's been told. But also, I would happily play another Uncharted game, maybe with different characters. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I do feel that way about The Last of Us. Like, I know a lot of people felt that way after the first game. They were like, they should leave it. I kind of wanted more off the first game. After the second game, I do feel like I've got the ending I want. You worried? I know a lot of people different on that opinion. I don't think they. I, I love the ending. I don't think they'd go through with it, you know. But I think in the wrong hands, you know. Worst case scenario, you get into a thing where The Last of Us starts being more like global in its storytelling and trying to like tell the mm-hmm. story of infections or the cure and stuff like that. And when it's never been about that, and so I kind of, I kind of agree with you in as much as. 
I wouldn't mind seeing more of those people's stories, maybe. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't know. I but also, I feel like Ellie Ellie's story is done for me. Oh, Ellie's is, yeah, Ellie's is done. Um, but yeah. also, I just think you're maybe yeah, you're getting into a situation where you may have to start kind of going lorry on it, and that's never been the point. Um, mm-hmm. Bloodborne is an interesting one though, because you know it's so beloved and like you know considered one of the greatest games of all time. But I could easily see never being another Bloodborne game. Yeah, that, like, yeah. that's it. I, mean, I sort of agree with the idea. Obviously, I consider Bloodborne like the best of FromSoft's work. Um, I love that world so much more than I do the Dark Souls kind of like medieval grimdark fantasy. I quite like to see, I guess, a spiritual successor from FromSoft in the way that Elden Ring is a spiritual successor in in its sort of way to mm. Dark Souls, like much of the same ideas. But expanding that, I'd like to see something like that for Bloodborne that has a similar Lovecraftian mm. style, but that lore kind of feels like it tells a story that's contained within the game. Yeah. I don't think like the Dark Souls series, it doesn't need to kind of unravel that over another two games or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm kind of... Yeah, um, yeah I would... Uh, honestly, I know the problem is that they made the sequel, but I would have been perfectly happy with Mass Effect never coming back. Like, do the trilogy leave it at that i didn't i didn't need Mm -hmm. you know obviously there's always the nerd bit of you that's like tell me more stories show me more cool tech but it would have been fine like that could have lived by itself as we spoke about like on that episode like my fear is is about kind of like the story i don't want them to interfere with a story that is that shepherd became very deeply personal to me and i felt like i dealt with it i don't want something that digs up stuff that doesn't need digging up for shepherd like like Mm -hmm. that's done for me um, mm-hmm. we'll it's, it's an interesting question. Uh, again, we'll ask for feedback to answer out the questions that we can't answer. So, ign underscore uk feedback at ign dot com. If you have any suggestions of things that should be left well alone, now we move on to the important feedback. We've got another round of feedback, and we know you love them snacks, mm-hmm. so keep them coming. <laughs> so this one's from John Summerfield, who says, "Lads, the lunchbox snack chat filled me." with nostalgia mm-hmm. Matt I remember mm-hmm. cartoonies tasted like the most synthetic chocolate ever but also delicious very true top tier lunchbox biscuit aside from the echo the Montana was elite now I there was an the image of a Montana attached to this email that was one of those that was an instant warp back in time for me to the cookie jar which mm-hmm. quite frequently was filled with Montana but I'd forgotten that they existed but they were good. Filled with Montana. <laughs> Such a beautiful little uh, country song. Crisp oh, wise, spaghetti. Just the Montana. We've what? got to describe the Montana. You want to describe the Montana? It's a the, crispy wafer bar filled with chocolate cream, topped with cocoa crispies, and covered in thick milk chocolate. It is good. I remember it. The Mon- Big chocolate hit. Oh. The Montana thing coming from because of the way that the chocolate chips and crispies were lined on the top. That's it looked like smart. a mountain range on top of a fucking chocolate bar. I love it. It's very good. Anyway, bring it back. Is it still around? I haven't seen one in a long time. No. Crisp-wise, <laughs> spaghetti sauce flavoured Monster Munch, which I've never I heard of remember. before. No memory. I do not remember that. Uh, Didn't exist. <laughs> I'm Walker's- looking these up. <laughs> Walker Sundog Cheesy Popcorn. Uh, John seems, seems to be the only person I know that remembers this stuff. I don't remember Walker's ever doing a popcorn, full stop. No. And then I mean, Prawn Cocktail Watsits were also around for oh, a while. I absolutely. I love them. 
I remember they prawn cocktail like quavers, but not. Okay. Oh, the prawn cocktail what's-its are very good. I, I really enjoyed Spaghetti those. Spaghetti sauce uh, monster munch, real thing. Just having a look. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I'm not calling John a lie. I, I just, am. You know, I'm also saying they don't exist. <laughs> Sun dog. Um, but no, popcorn. I've never heard. Never heard of Walkers doing any popcorn. Oh wow, it looked bizarre. That's... Oh, you could. I mean, it's dated because you could win one of a hundred million jar jar sticky tongues. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that that's... takes us on to the last bit of this email. Oh, okay. It says, I think we can all agree the best and most missed lunch snack is the period where walkers used to put extra treats in their bags of crisps. Tazos were great, but the sheer joy of opening my packet of cheese and onion on the schoolyard and pulling out a folded up fiver is a high I've been chasing ever since. I remember that someone at school getting that. a fiver. That's bonkers. Yeah, just putting money in packs of crisps. You just like, you can't do it anymore. Greasy it's... little crisps like covered your old paper fiver. The queen. Did they not put them in a? Did they yeah, not I put them they in, were in little sealed sure, bags? I'm they? sure they were. I'm just imagining it. I'm just imagining the queen getting <laughs> still, all greased. It is weird. Just because I'm sure people <laughs> guarantee people just going to shops and like crushing crisps to try and see if there's a fiver in there just by like grabbing them. Like, yeah, it wasn't a good plan. Yeah. I remember the Tazos one because I, I I must have talked about this before, like collecting all of the Star Wars Tazos when they released them at the time Episode One came out, and like I was trying to find them all, and I found the last few um, on like in like a little stand and a market and like a wharf in Torquay uh, in the south coast of England, uh, and there was a guy who was like he had a whole stall of them. He was like selling duplicates, so you could like buy like three for a pound or mm. something. I was like. I need that one of the Millennium Falcon escaping uh, the Death Star Return of the Jedi. Thank you very much. And I completed my set. Well done. Um, there we you go. cheated. Happy days. I didn't cheat. I, uh, I, I bought my way to victory. Is that cheating? I can't believe you went with Tazo scalpers. You're part of the problem, mate. <laughs> I think he was also doing swaps, to be fair. So if I had any jukes, he would have swapped. That's fair. But, uh, I didn't have them on me on my holiday. <laughs> I didn't have my little book of Tazos. Right. Uh, I think Richard Wright opens an email in my favourite way ever. Pepperami <laughs> condom. I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's reveal of chewing the open-ended Johnny around a pepperami has taken me straight back to my youth. Don't you judge him. I agree. I, I mean, will. honestly, I kind of feel I'm happy to be judged for it. I wasn't bringing it up out yeah. of uh, out of pride. Uh, if you don't know, imagine if you hadn't listened to last week's yeah, and this is what just you to explain. Pepperamis used to come in a little plastic wrapper. <laughs> uh, I would chew that wrapper because it had extra delicious pepperami flavour on but it. But you wouldn't eat. You wouldn't swallow. No, the no, no. I would key. never swallow it. I would never swallow it. Okay, but I would. On the next thing that Richard mentions, and this is what I mean, Richard. I reckon there's some sort of a brain twin situation because he also oh, says no. I also eat any paper-based lollipop stick because it oh. makes a drumstick last longer. I always do this. I end up because you no, get it doesn't because it gets all wet and then you can like unwrap. This is gross. You can like unwrap the paper <laughs> and it's like just a big swirl of paper. And you just chew away. It's delightful. No, you're you're ill. That just, doesn't make the lolly last longer. It just means you're eating paper for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Delicious paper. It's like slightly sweet. There's a slightly sweet element to the paper. Oh, Look, I just right. like chewing on stuff. All right, and when I've run out of drumstick, <laughs> the paper's all there is. Otherwise, I'd be eating the sofa. No one wants that. Uh, 
Uh, he, uh, he continues. Matt's biscuit pebbles were called cartoonies, and they were lush. We knew that. Viscount is the best lunchbox biscuit and makes you feel superior mm. to all the other little yobs smashing <laughs> penguins right. into their gaping maw and asking the dinner ladies to tie their shoelaces. <laughs> Richard, little hoity-toity, hoity-toity Richard walking around with his minty biscuit. After sucking off a pepperoni condom, I don't think so. And eating some paper. What? You mentioned eating the sofa. I'm sure I've mentioned this before, that I used to eat my bed. You used to eat your bed? I'm sure I've mentioned this before. And you have Not the, the actual bed. You have the gall to tell me like, I'm weird. When I was like... When I was like four or five, maybe even younger, like my my parents would remind me that like, I had these like bunk beds in my like in my room, and I'd uh, I'd use the top bunk, but then like they would be like wooden, like there'd be the wooden like slats on the side, and like the what do you call them, like little banister bits on each corner, and yeah, there would just be like gnaw marks out of the out oh of the wood. God. So I just eat the wood. <laughs> I, I ate the wood of my bed as like a four year old. Yeah, don't ever come at me about paper <laughs> lolly sticks again. We've all we've all eaten something we shouldn't. I haven't have. eaten a fucking and that's bed why we're here today. <laughs> that's why we. That's why we're all here today. Um, Matt, you must have eaten something you shouldn't have. I mean, not bed. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know if I actually ate it or just kind of like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I kind of like, you know, like once you finish like a Magnum, for example, I'll, I'll like chew on the the lollipop oh, stick, but I, I wouldn't I like... lolly stick would. It's not there no. for... I'm not chewing it to get the flavour off it. It's just something to do before you chuck it out, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but that's what I was doing. I was bored in bed, so I decided to eat it. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Sleep. <laughs> sleep. We all know I don't sleep. All right, anyway, let's move on before no one ever wants to talk to me ever again. Um, I've got one last piece of feedback here from Rob Matthews. He says, hello, pod people. Never written in before. A lot of first-time writers, this is good. We're hitting the the hard-hitting subjects. Mm -hmm. Let's lured them in. Never written in before, but finally snapped when when discussed the subject of discontinued chocolate bars, but neglected to mention mid-90s banger, the Maverick Bar. Are we all familiar with the Maverick? Looking it up, just reminding myself. I am. I think my my mum really enjoyed it. Uh, caramel raisins, biscuit, and toffee pieces wrapped in chocolate. Mm. A little bit like a picnic, then a little bit. That's the thing. It actually reminds me in packaging of the Star Bar, mm. which I'm a big yes. fan of. But it's not. It's a bit Star Bar-y, I think. Is it okay? Right. But yes, from uh, memory, this isn't exactly what I thought time. it was. Um, it was. Oh well. Rob says it was like a lion bar on steroids, mm. and one bite gave you the feeling of too much stuff in your mouth. Maximum texture. <laughs> uh, obviously, never eaten a bed. Uh, <laughs> kind of related, but after over 30 years of wanting one, I was given a soda stream for Christmas, and now experiencing firsthand the pleasure of fizzing up water and Dr. Pete, which is fake Dr. Pepper syrup. I've never heard of Dr. Pete. No. <laughs> Um, it has exceeded my expectations. Have you ever wanted something most of your life? Finally got it and wasn't crushingly disappointed. Mr. Frox, Mr. Frosty, etc. Sex. Thanks for the... Con- <laughs> <laughs> they said wasn't crushingly disappointed. Correct. <laughs> so- Straight out the gate, best in the world. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, how'd you follow that? Um... <laughs> Dunno. True happiness, still never found that. Uh that you that is not answering the question. 
You haven't been truly happy since you were gnawing on your bed. (laughs) Exactly. It's never been the same again. Uh, I don't know, like one of of those Christmas presents you wanted for like years and then you got... uh, Hmm... Remember my brother spending most of a year asking for a super duper double looper. I don't know if you remember that. It was like a little Hot <laughs> Wheels track, um, yeah. and it was fucking brilliant. But that wasn't most of your yeah. life. That was just a year of watching kids' TV and wanting it. I mean, the first, like I wanted like a PlayStation Two for years. Like, I didn't get one till like I don't know, probably five years after it came out. I like begged my parents like for it for years mm. and years. And then when I got a PS2, I was not disappointed. There's some good so, stuff by that time as well. Five one. years later. Exactly. That's why you never played Kessen though, which is a problem. Yeah, that is the problem. That is my big problem in life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any... I don't know, we've got so many subjects. If you've got anything to say, IGN <laughs> underscore UK feedback. If anything com. we've said has caused you delight <laughs> or difficulty, please let us know in ex- extreme yes, detail. Please. But don't send it to anyone above us in this company. No, thank you. We'll have to shut the podcast down. Um, of course... We're going to go with some Windjammers music. Have you decided which track we're going to go for? No, I haven't. Joe? Just, But just know that what you're about to hear, whatever is chosen, is going to be better than all the music you already like. So have a great day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, how do you... Okay, well, let's, let's listen to Windjammers then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. It's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand-friendly, but don't worry. I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.